0: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. NFL
1: Week Five Edition with my wise guy roundtable. To my right, the better Steve Fezik. To my left, the bookmaker Maddie Holt. I'm RJ Bell. What a action-packed show we've got for you! Picks and picks and more picks. First, it's Fezik versus the world. It's Colin Cowherd and Fezik with a huge disagreement. Plus. A disagreement with me, a disagreement with the bookmaker, Maddie Holt. Then we're going to be doing some sharp money picks, pros versus Joes, a double like when both of the boys like the same game. We'll talk some injuries and how you should be accounting for them in your handicapping two total picks and three best bats, including one for me. Ooh, we buckle up a lot of action coming up first though. Two topics that are related, obviously, to Vegas, especially, we all know and have seen on the news about the shooting. And what I wanted to do was just let everyone kind of share a minute or two. We're not a political show. As I said on a prior podcast and people on Twitter enjoyed is we're the green party, the money party. We're interested in finding winners. But we, we all personally, obviously, have our political beliefs. But I want to talk more about Vegas because we've got three guys here. It's been here for quite a while. Maddie. let's start with you. How long you been here and and what was your real takeaway
2: from Sunday night? So I've been here since 2004. And, uh, you know, Sunday night was crazy for me. My brother-in-law, who works in marketing, was actually down at the concert with two friends. Both the friends he was with got shot. Uh, So So they both
1: took, took a bullet.
2: Yes, both took bullets, went to the hospital. Wow. Uh, you know, it was a long night for me. Obviously, my sister extremely worried about her husband. I'm worried about uh my brother-in-law, and and you know went through all the trials and tribulations that night. I think my my best you know summary the next morning was as much as people label us as a transient city. On my way to work Monday morning, I went to give blood, and there was already a five hour wait at 7:45 a.m. And I've never been prouder to be a Las Vegan then Monday morning to see the way the city rallied together
1: after this unbelievable tragedy. That's Maddie Houghton. You know, I agree with you and I'll have some comments that in some ways are similar. First so Steve Fezzik, you've been here since 2001 and,
3: you know, similar to nine 11 for me in that when nine 11 hit, I was made aware of it by getting text messages, phone Voice messages. The same thing here. I actually went to bed early Sunday night, exhausted, and my phone just started message after message. And finally, dragged myself out of bed and um, just complete shock at what had gone on. And then a real appreciation of the first responders and everyone else, like Maddie was saying, the the folks donating blood. Vegas gets a bad rap at not being a community city, and we really came together.
1: Yeah, and you know, I was on the college football dream preview. I spoke, uh, about this myself. So I'll kind of give a short version of, it. I also talked about this, uh, on the Adam Carolla show I'm on every Wednesday. And that was our first topic and it felt good. You know, he's got 800,000 listeners a day. It's that big of a show and the chance to kind of, you know, share what I'm going to share now was a nice opportunity, which is, you know, Matt, you say, oh, we're Vegas is called a transient city. No, we are a transient city. And uh, a lot of people come and go. And by the same token, the people that stay here, there really is a sense that we've seen it all. You know, we've done it all. It's like, oh, there's a two-headed woman down, you know, by the Cirque Circus. Oh, yeah, okay, I saw that last week. I mean, there really is that kind of blasé attitude about things. And even... I I would say even things like life and death, there's a real fatalism, you know, in Vegas, not everybody, but I think across the board, but to me, it feels like because they were attacking in a way, what makes Vegas different. So my feeling is if somewhere at, let's say Cashman park, right? The minor league park here, Cashman field, they call it, right? Is let's say there was a type of soft target attack there um obviously the city would have cared and we all would you know life and death we all care about that but i have a feeling the response to that would have been less than the fact that it's on the strip it's coming from a hotel room and think about it how rare is it that on a sunday night at 11 p.m. or 10:30 that there's 22,000 people listening to music right usually that's a big, you know friday night thing and this was something that went on. You know, my understanding is multiple days leading to Sunday, and it really was sort of the epitome, in some ways, of what makes Vegas Vegas. And to attack that, I think caused the town to react with even more sense of community, sense of you know this is what we're about. And you know, I could be wrong about that, but I, I agree with both you guys. Is the response not to compare cities, right? And you know, obviously, nine eleven was, uh, and, and, and if you just did a mathematical count was a much bigger thing. And I think at different levels you can make, you know, obviously it was, uh, you know, an external force outside of the country and and these things are never the same. So I don't want to compare cities, but if you would have said, okay, there's going to be some type type of attack in Vegas, how are we going to respond? I would say we're an underdog to, you know, be above average to, let's say a cross section of cities because of that apathy, because of that, you know, I think transient mentality, the fact that we probably exceeded expectations here. And as you said, how proud you were, Matt, to me, that was an upset. And, and, you know, I think it probably had to do with what makes, you know, attacking what makes Vegas so unique. So, well, we wanted to share that. And now we want to talk about, you know, more enjoyable things. Some of the stuff that does make Vegas unique. Fez, what a weekend talk about Sunday night right it's Monday right when it comes to having fun about as most fun as a person can reasonably have I think Now we actually have some special music this is so amazing we're gonna have Fez tell his story with a little music behind it here it comes alright Fez give us the story
3: alright so it all starts on Friday night I go to put my super contest picks in Along with Matty Holt and all the other sharps in town. And Walmart There's a lot of dead money in that super contest. Come on. There's a lot of sharps in that <laughs> as well. And I'm exa- I'm already exhausted, been running around doing podcasts, media. It's all it's all great. I love what I do. And I say, you know what? I'm an advantage gambler. Let me take a look at the parlay card as I always do on Friday night. Just to see if there's some numbers, some games I like. Well, oh, I like the Giants. I like the over on Sunday Night Football. It's like, oh, I can get forty and a half and a half on the parlay card. That's a good number. I get the Giants three and a half. Oh, we like the Saints. We all like the Saints. I can lay two and a half. This is a pretty good card. You know what? Let me go ahead and throw in some lottery tickets here with good numbers on games I like. So I went and put in a few cards. Didn't think much of it. $100 each. And really, I focused on the Super Contest. That
1: was my focus. But I get home. So just to be clear, the... Westgate limits you to five cards for 100 bucks. If you wanted to put in 10, they wouldn't let you. Yeah, maximum five. Sometimes I don't put in anyone. I don't like the card, don't like the numbers
3: on it. But this time I went ahead and put in put in the five. Didn't think about it. So Saturday, we, you know, we're busy. we got the national show and the like. I get home at like 2 in the morning. Oh, let me grade my cards. They'll probably be confetti. Ooh, I got a card that wants 5-0. and oh. All right. Well, you know what? Still needs to go 5-0 and oh on Sunday. And, oh, the Saints... They roll. I'm six and zero. Oh. Hey, the Giants do well. It just keeps rolling. I'm nine and zero, oh, baby. I go into Monday night, and I have
1: right, so at this point you're nine and zero. Oh. I'm nine
3: and zero. Oh. There's the tragedy um, that morning, so I get distracted. The town's somber, and then I'm like, hey, this game's going. I'm nine and zero. Oh. I'm excited. I've got literally nine freaking great handicaps right sides, and I really like. So this the is hundred to win, five
1: hundred fifty to one to win. So
3: hundred to win fifty five thousand.
1: Okay, 100 to win 55,000. You're nine out of ten there. Now, does the does nine out of ten pay anything? Zero. Okay. Woo. All right. And you've got as the tenth piece. I've got Kansas City, the Chiefs minus six and a half. a
3: uh, uh, Colin Cowherd, uh, blazing five. <laughs> the man's been hot. I'm telling him here. And to but my,
1: you didn't play Kansas City because of Colin. No, of course not. Sorry, Colin.
3: And I'm watching the game, and to my horror, it's not playing out well. I've got the wrong side. It's clear that I'm going to need to get lucky. And then as the game gets deeper, I do get a little bit fortunate. And it's tied.
1: What, hold on. Okay, just the tie is it's, the little bit fortunate part. Okay. It's
3: tied, and I'm driving. I'm like, we can do this. And we stall. We kick a field goal. Eight seconds left. I was like,
1: God. So if they score the touchdown, seven, you got the cover.
3: Yeah, but they don't score the touchdown. Yeah, they stop yeah. and they kick the field goal. And I actually thought to myself, you know what, RJ? I said, I had Northwestern plus plus seven and a half against Ohio State with all those crazy laterals. I say,
1: when was this? Three, four, five years ago. So you're talking about a game from five years ago. And,
3: and I said to myself, I never get lucky. I never get the miracle with the laterals and everything. It always happens against me. I'm so unlucky on games like this. And then I look over. I'm not even paying much attention. I've written it off. They're lateraling it back. And they're not lateraling it well. And that ball is just lying on the ground. And a guy picks it up. And then he's running in the end zone. And it's clear path. He's going to score. And like the Chicago Bear a week ago, he just, like, stops on the four-yard line and starts walking. Why? He's holding the ball out, Leon left Are style. you screaming at
1: this point? Go! Go!
3: The, uh, the Redskin reaches out to strip him. I thought for sure he was going to strip him. No, he somehow doesn't. He gets in the end zone. Who cares if they kick the extra point? And dog to under turns into favorite to over. And it's party time in the Fezzik household. Not just a single. I got a double at Wendy's that night.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, I mean, for those skeptical, and that wouldn't be unreasonable. Hopefully we've earned some trust with you. But on my Twitter at RJ in Vegas is the actual ticket with the $55,000 payoff. A few questions. One, Matty, from the bookmaker's perspective, my sense was that that cover was a net winner for the players, right? There was uh, exposure on the Kansas City side. It was about a $350,000 swing for us, uh, and we
2: felt fortunate that it was only 350000 I heard one book on the Vegas Strip. It was a seven-figure swing
3: for OK, so go ahead, Chris. I had a question for me, but does that include your parlay card exposure? But you're probably pretty balanced. I know you had seven and a half on your card. Yeah, we it, it
2: wasn't that bad for us in the parlay card. Um, it, it, it doesn't include the parlay card exposure or teasers or anything. When you added it all up, it may have been closer to 400, 420. Uh, but it certainly it was bad for us. We weren't celebrating like you were.
1: OK, so I think. A couple things, fast. So most people hear the cliche and most cliches have a lot of truth in them that parlay cards are a bad bat. What is it? And obviously some of this stuff is real inside and it's not anything you can really share to any great value because if a lot of people start doing this, they're going to find a way to stop you from doing it. So understanding this is the rare case. And guys, we are really proud of the fact that, we don't hold stuff back. I mean, the reason Maddie's here, not only is he an articulate, knowledgeable guy, but he's willing to share information behind the counter. No one else is that I've ever encountered in Las Vegas. And Fez, there's other professional betters, you know, at or near your level, your willingness to share a lot of this is one of your true differentiators. Let's understand that with the parlay cards is so niche. You're not going to give it all away give us some broad strokes about when you play parlay cards.
3: Yeah, you're looking typically for numbers that are off, oftentimes stale numbers. So a line moves. Example, the UNLV, which was on my ticket, moved up from 13 to 16. And I was able to lay 13 on that game. So you're looking for games like that. But those are few and far between. You might get one or two on your card uh, the disadvantage is you get shortchanged on the payout. You don't get what the true odds are if you parlay it off the board. So you need to get not just value, but great value with the numbers. And this was a perfect storm here this week because there were games I really liked, like the Giants. And I was able to get three and a half. Now, the Giants lost by two points, RJ, but that's what the closing line was. But imagine if they'd lost by three. There was no three and a half to be had. I was able to get three and a half on the card. And because of that, I felt that there was enough value to invest in it.
1: Now, there's some cards that are ties win, or half point cards where it will be plus three and a half minus two and a half. So obviously with those cards, it's find the games you like, find the games that's moved to your advantage, stale in this case, or a way to say. And then also to fill out the the number you need to get to. The idea of, hey, I'm going to take, maybe this line should be three. I'm taking three and a half. There's some real value there.
3: Absolutely. Especially if you combine handicapping with good numbers, the best evidence I can give that just playing off numbers isn't going to work. Look at the super contest consensus when people are trying. You know, these guys spent uh, paying $1,500 to enter the contest. What's the super contest consensus typically? About fifty two and a half percent. Now that'll win. If you're laying minus $1. 10 you you're laying more than that playing parlay cards not enough to win. And one of the
2: interesting things, and and you know, you mentioned that they limit Fez to five cards, and that's one of the reasons we understand as bookmakers, we're going to have stale lines on some of these cards. So to, to combat people playing 10 or 15 of them and just comboing the stale lines with other teams, we limit the people to how many cards they could play.
1: Okay, so the limitation on number of cards isn't just, hey, we don't want to have a ton of exposure against a really sharp batter. That's part of it. But the other part is if you could play, you know, many, many, many cards, there's ways to combine them where you are just getting exposed as a sharp to very positive situations. And you're kind of double siding the other way. That's right.
3: And a lot of bookmakers don't even concede that I have an edge. They just don't want me to like have. Uh, put in so much that they've got all this exposure on one select game that all of a sudden pops up. Oh my God, we got a million dollars here on a Sunday night total because everybody played over 41.
1: Okay. So why go to 10, right? Cause I, I totally have understood and I've dabbled in parlay cards a little bit. A lot of it from our discussions is, is sometimes the, you'll get a payoff if you're one short, if there's one loss. So it makes sense to get to that number. Why 10 with this card? Because it was a ties win card and the payouts
3: on ties win cards, on a lot of them continued to double. So when you think about it, why? So the
1: theory is that you're getting true odds on that next pick.
3: It, right. So I'm basically laying minus 100. I, I, on my first five games, I'm like laying minus twenty five. But then on like my last three, I'm getting minus 100. I double up with each game. So I kind of have to, if I'm going to play a seven-teamer, go ahead and make it a 10-teamer. Why not?
1: And if you could play an unlimited number of cards... What I would do on those last three picks is 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 get a rotation of, you know, six or eight picks and just rotate and in a way you're diversifying. So you're exposing your seven, let's say your first seven that you really feel good about. Then you're diversifying the rest.
3: Yeah. And the Westgate at free odds. Yeah. But the Westgate they they're, I mean, they're very sharp. And so what did they do on the Monday night game, they didn't put the game at seven because they didn't want people to be playing both sides. So even though it was the ties win card and this is what the bookmakers have adjusted to sharps like me to make it almost impossible to win. They made it six and a half.
1: Okay. Last question. You had a bit, and again, great celebration. In fact, you mentioned Wendy's, but we have a little special sound for your celebration here. One second. (laughs) So Sizzler or Wendy's perhaps is, but you had a big loser in, in the colleges on Saturday and it wasn't on the card. So it seems like you've, answered why wouldn't you know your biggest bet on saturday be on the card is it was just about the numbers
3: yeah it's just i was lucky that i loved hawaii it was a huge bet for me in college football like a a single side bet single side bet so i bet a big plus seven and a half before the line moved and then started to drop and i grabbed some plus seven and a half on some cards as well and i would frankly i would have been on my parlay if if the line had been plus seven but the westgate liked hawaii also they made that line six on their card so i passed on it
1: all right. Well, it's pretty, I'm at 55,000. Oh, one last question we got to ask. And I know when it comes to the IRS and all that, you are super diligent, but you also don't want to give too much information out, but a lot of questions about how much you hedged. And you said you were on ESPN LA when they saw my tweet about this, they called you up cause you've been on uh, filling in for me at different times on that segment. I do Mason in Ireland every Thursday at one o'clock. Um, actually this week, they don't have a show Thursday. So most Thursdays, almost every at one o'clock Pacific, but, um, they had you on, on Tuesday, yesterday, we're taping here on Wednesday and they were asking about the hedge. So your answer was, Hey, I hedged some not near enough. And it was a huge swing.
3: It was just too big not to hedge something back, but, um, God, I needed this game. (laughs)
1: So very exciting you know, if you look at the retweets and again, we had over a thousand retweets as of now on this and 1700, the actual ticket of the ticket and 1700 likes. And to me, it's like, this is the ultimate. And and some of the responses was, if only I could do this once in my life. And they said, how did he feel at that moment? And really in a way, you know, it's like the classic movie, the gambler, right? Not uh, the Mark Wahlberg version came out and, uh, you know, <laughs> we actually have a listener to this pod who was a part of that. And, uh, you know, I thought as an update, sincerely, it was wonderful. And I'm a Wahlberg fan, but the original with Khan, I thought had that 70s, you know, cinema, uh, you know, 70s cinema feel to it. And when Khan hits the, uh, the he hits on the 18, right? So he's gambling and you know, he's running it up in Vegas And he hits on the 18 and he gets a three, right? And he says some variation of that's it or it's over. Like that was the side. I was on a streak. That was a crazy streak that we just put an exclamation point on. I'm done. And that moment, like that's kind of the chase, I think, for guys that are somewhat compulsive. And and to me, that's the catch 22. You might think, oh, the compulsive guys are the guys that lose. And 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 the the, the real Spock like logical guys are the guys that win, yeah maybe but you know and I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on this. But in my experience, oftentimes some of the best handicappers are the compulsive types because that the thrill of the gamble is what motivates them to put so much time and energy into the handicap. Maddie, you guys take his big bets or bigger bets than anyone. Would you say in general? The best betters are a lot more analytical or they got a little bit of uh de-gen in them. The
2: most consistent betters are usually a lot more analytical, but the riskiest betters to the house are those guys, and we have one of them now, a really big recreational player who uh, just last week put in over thirty bets between Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of at least a hundred
1: thousand dollars. And when they get hot, watch out. The um but see your answer kind of implies that the big money recreational guys are got some DGen in them and that the true winners don't. It, 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 do you really, maybe it's not even about true winners or not, but rather it's sharpness because sharpness, you know, I'm actually reading a book from uh, Scotty uh, Shetler, I think is the, the old Stardust guy. Is that his last name? Um, it's called uh we, were wise guys and didn't know it. And it was one of these self-published deals or whatever, but you know, he ran the Stardust a long time and he was here at Churchill and you know, he was actually new, uh, uh, Tony, the Ant and, and uh, a lot of interesting old Vegas stories, which, you know, obviously Joe Pesci and casino, he was depicted as, and you know, in this book, Scott talks about how, some of the best handicappers he knew ended up losing a lot of money because they had so much gamble in them. So I would agree with you. If you're going to measure someone's sharpness by how much do they profit at the end of the year, having that analytical approach is so necessary. But as in, Hey, if there's one game, my life is on, who am I getting a pick from? I have found in, and you said we have a whole month to pick the game I have found that some degens might have the highest win percentage on that pick. Would you agree or disagree with that? Maybe.
2: And, and I will say this, some of the people that we label as recreational, they aren't labeled as recreational because of the amount of money they win or lose. It's more of what number did they bet it at? When did they make the bet? There's just so many of these other factors. One of our biggest recreational players actually picks more winners than losers. His problem is we he gets labeled as recreational because the line's 29 and he betted at 30 and a half or, you know, he's not taking the best numbers all of the time, which is always criteria
1: one for sharp players. Okay. So when you guys, that's interesting when you profile how sharp a player is, it's not exclusively their wins and losses. Correct. It's a, comparing what they bet to the rest of the market. What was the number when they bet it? What did the number close at? Okay. All right, now that's interesting. And that's a different thing. So, you know, your your um, you know, the the difference from close is one way to look at it. But what about if you guys have a thir- you, let's say he's playing the favorite and you have a 14 and there's a 13 and a half out there. Do you monitor The external other sports books and say, wow, if he's playing 14 with us when he could have hit a 13 and a half, he's not that sharp.
2: Yes, that. And here's what another one was. So oftentimes you take a bet at a number. And you say, okay, that could or could not be a sharp bet, but when they come back and lay different ones, here's a perfect example. This same better last weekend played Alabama minus twenty eight, minus twenty eight and a half, minus twenty nine, minus thirty, minus thirty one, and at minus thirty one, that fifth bet at a hundred thousand to make five hundred thousand, he could have still laid twenty eight somewhere else. Okay, so you
1: know this is a guy who may or may not, and they won, have and a the great one, he won a half million dollars, but he's not betting like a pro. So, Fez, same question to you, not profitability, but you got one bat for your life. It's got to come from a third party. Is it possible with someone that doesn't win near as much as someone else who's not such a good handicapper?
3: Absolutely. Especially if I get it from
1: someone who just follows one team very intensely. Yeah, but that's not what we're talking about, though. That that is a whole other thing, right? Is and, and really, you're right. If you were going to bet one game with uh, the highest stakes, you'd want someone that spends all their time. You, you'd ideally want 50 people, each one sharp, spending all their time on one team. And I can't lie; when I was growing up in Ohio, that was always the way I thought about it. Is, you know, get six or seven guys, and each one handles a conference, and you know, you've got expertise and specialization. But you guys both seem to be fighting a point. I know on the poker side, it's unequivocal that some of the best players are are not good money managers. And that, he, you know, I mean, Stu Unger being the, the best example. I mean, most people, you know, unequivocally believe Stu Unger had the most poker talent of anybody, but no one in, no one thought his game selection was any good. Right? He just wanted to play. And obviously he would play. Whore. And you get a guy like Phil Ivey, who has a famous quote, life would be too easy if I didn't play craps. So he almost has enough nut to gen in him where he wants to have a situation. He's got a negative EV because the, then at least the poker game means something because he's got to win. Because if you've got 30 or 130 million in the bank, even if you're playing the biggest game in the world, you're not going to get the juice or the the feel out of it. So, I mean, and again, you guys are closer to the street than I am with the, the very, you know, the, the, the degenerates and the winners and the losers. But in my experience uh, being super and anali- or being super, let's say, what's the right word? Um, I guess not that what's the opposite of degenerate sober, being super sober about your betting and really knowing what you're doing as a handicapper, I don't necessarily see them correlated.
3: Yeah. Maybe it's a good thing and a bad thing that normally I am the super sober math guy. And here I am with 50,000 riding on the favorite, just like James Kahn in the bathtub scene when he's got the (laughs) Lakers for 50k. (laughs) Same thing. I got the public team guy misses a free throw. James Kahn's like, gosh darn. And I'm like the same. I'm all alone in my office. They get, they don't get the third down conversion. I'm literally the same reaction.
1: You know, though, thinking of the, the marquee, or the uh, Mark Wahlberg gambler is if I'm remembering right, he had like the same button up shirt for like half the movie, but you know, he's a movie star. So he's looking cool. You know, I'm sure they had 30 versions of those shirts and all that. So they had the sleeves rolled up. And I'm thinking, I don't look, you know, near that good. If I just, you know, the day of my wedding and here's Marky Mark supposed to have been up for four days and (laughs) he looks better. I guess that's why he's a movie star.
3: The contrast of Vegas gambler. Sometimes we're so busy. We don't shower. We just jump in the pool jump out and get to work.
1: I've never done that. You ever do that, man? Not anymore. (laughs) All right. Pregame.com. A lot of lead up there. Now we're heading to the picks. A lot of good stuff. I think from the boys, I'm RJ Bell. We got, as we said, Maddie Holt, the bookmaker, Steve Fezzik, the better. First game that we're covering is actually, wow, this is a big game. It's the Fezzik versus the world. It's Collins disagreement with Fez and it's the pros versus Joes. So the pros versus Joes is you got professionals on one side, recreational batters on the other. Let's start with the call and disagreement. So Fez, you do your power ratings one to 32 every week, put them up pregame.com on Wednesdays. They're on your Twitter too at Fezik sports, F E Z Z I K at Fezik sports. And right now you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tied for number one. All right. With? Kansas City Chiefs.
3: Four and a half points, better than an average team.
1: All right. So right now, if they asked you, winner of the 55K, professional batter, two-time Super Contest champion, who's the best team in the NFL, you would say, I have a tie between Kansas City and Pittsburgh.
3: I th- And I think I'd tiebreaker it. That's an easy answer. That's, an e- that's the They're answer. They're both
1: four and a half points better. Pittsburgh's 4.6. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but- what you've publishedly or publicly made available to everyone says 4.5, 4.5 tied for first. Yes. Okay. Colin cowherd does his top 10 every week. And guess where he's got Pittsburgh not rated. So outside of the top 10. So let's be generous and say maybe Pittsburgh's 11. So we've got a huge disagreement here. So I can, you know, it'd be nice now that we have sound for the pod, I could start getting Colin sound for this and we could hear his story, but but I guess you don't have sound when they're not on the top 10 even is, but I listen to his show every day, uh, the podcast version. And his take is listen, big Ben looks bad. Uh, Steelers can't play on the road. He's not a big Tomlin fan Uh, too much emotion. And, and I think, you know, I, and I think there is a point not out of the top 10, but there is a point with Brown, Uh, You know, and and some shenanigans or uh, temper tantrums on the sideline for the wide receiver kind of answer Colin's questions, doubts, and also why you think Pittsburgh is so good.
3: Yeah, Colin has a bias against teams that are not what he likes to call buttoned up. He's the type of guy, if you're trying to get hired and you come in and you got a day growth on your beard and long hair and maybe a tattoo showing on your neck,
1: maybe you jump out in the pool instead of shower and you're
3: the best man for the job. You've got the absolutely the most qualified Colin won't hire you because he wants to see you buttoned up. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: I wouldn't hire it. 10 years ago, I would have hired that guy today. I don't because what I have found is, and a lot of the people listening are going to disagree is when you know there's an a certain way of being that people are going to react to a certain way and to your detriment then you either don't care how they react which means you're not going to buy in or you can't help what you're doing and to me both of those are bad things i've never hired someone who didn't wear a suit since i started at cg so someone shows up with a a jacket slacks, you know, dress slacks, but not a suit, which is matching and no tie, but a business, but a, almost like Mark, Mark Wahlberg, but he puts the jacket on and he shaves. You won't hire that guy. I I should take that back. I've never hired someone who didn't have a jacket A jacket. Okay. See, I, that, that is the far end of the spectrum, but I think in general, there's some wisdom to that. And again, in a way, CG technology here in town came to Vegas without wall street mentality, right? Cantor Fitzgerald being a, you know, massively big company. Are they based in New York, New York City? Yes. Um, okay. So I agree with you about the button-up bias for Colin. Yeah, let's talk about the truth. His criticism,
3: Pittsburgh, would go back eight years. This is a team that's won a Super Bowl, um, it goes to the AFC Championship game. Yes, you have concerns when they get to that AFC Championship, how well they're coached. It's a fine team. And I love the fact that they've they've struggled on the road always. They played three of their first four games on the road yet despite that they're still three and one they always struggle in baltimore they never uh are able to separate at baltimore they just crushed baltimore in baltimore this is a good team with a defense this is the best team i've seen pittsburgh have in a long time
1: okay maddie i want to get your opinion and as a Steeler fan i'll give mine after i completely
2: agree that the pittsburgh Steelers right now are the best team in the nfl if you ask me who is the number one team in the NFL to me, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't think we've seen, so the- you've got them over on a neutral field, pick them. Um, you bet Pittsburgh over Casey. Yes. For the same reason I didn't like Houston last week. I didn't know about Deshaun Watson yet. He wasn't the proven commodity to me. Uh, and then he went out and proved it last week. I know what I'm getting with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we've still yet to see the best Pittsburgh Steelers this year, uh, where I still
1: have a few question marks about Kansas city. I disagree. I hundred percent agree. Pittsburgh's within the top three or four. Okay, so being out of the top ten, you know, Colin is versus the world in this case, not Fezzik versus the world. So, and if you look at the lines, I mean, the I mean, Pittsburgh laying three in Baltimore. Mean, you know, they would have been six at home, or maybe, or I'm sorry, nine at home, or or maybe even more because uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore both have, I think, more home field. Than the average team is, the market shown a ton of respect for Pittsburgh. I was on every Tuesday on Sportsbook Nation Radio, which is a, a nationwide network, and I do with Freddie Fred Fowler Fred from ESPN Houston. And he works with ESPN Nation also, and we do an hour, and it's a recap show. Right, so I actually have that podcast up on my Twitter too. Uh, it's kind of nice because it's not a preview show. It's we look back at the prior week and uh, again, my Twitter at RJ Jane Vegas, you can check that out. And I said the following, I think Pittsburgh has the highest ceiling, which is different to me right now. If, if I had to bet who's going to have forget strength of schedule and all that, which matters, but who's going to have the most wins the rest of the year. I certainly wouldn't have Pittsburgh. I mean, Tomlin's just too inconsistent. But if they get in the playoffs and it's all right, now, you got to run off three games and they're playing well. Maybe they're the favorite to me. Obviously, home field would matter at that point
2: and schedule. I mean, look, Kansas yes. City plays in the AFC West with Denver and Oakland, and even the Chargers aren't as bad as most. A team of favored, teams. a team with hardly any home field favored over the Eagles last week. Yeah, I mean, so you that's how tough that division is. And the Pittsburgh plays the Browns twice and the Bengals twice and this bad Baltimore team
1: twice. If you told me who's winning more games the rest no, no, of the year, Pittsburgh's with, the favorite. True enough with that. But I'm saying if they all played a thousand games on a computer and the computer was legit, I think Pittsburgh's ups and downs are too much for me. Um, but I think here's the key. If this defense p- keeps playing for the Steelers as well as they are, this could be a, a an eighth, ninth, tenth best defense in the league. They really are a young surge, and they're going to get better in theory unless there's injuries as the season moves on. The offense was the best offense in football on paper. If they can in any way get even top five offense, if you have the 10th defense and the fifth offense, you're the best team in the NFL this year.
3: They don't have a top five defense. They are rated number one in yards per play in defense right now. Number one. To ask them to fall out of the top five even, I think is a little bit of a, pessimistic projection.
1: No, that's an interesting point. I was being 10 because I don't want to get too ahead as a fan, I guess in a way, because I am a fan. I get extra conservative with it, but this defense, I mean, Hayden, they took, they made some good moves, right? TJ Watt becoming a force was not expected. You don't expect a guy drafted in the, you know, I think that was the end of the first round, right? If I remember, because they made the championship game. And you don't expect that guy to step up. And, you know, the last guy they drafted in the 30s was Ziggy Hood, right? And uh, he caused me a lot of pain for five years, Ziggy. (laughs) But Watt and then Hayden, plus no real injuries yet? Uh, It's just what's going to go on with the offense. All right, so let's do now the handicap itself in the game, pros versus Joes. We've got the Joes on the Steelers. Right now, about 80% of the tickets are on Pittsburgh and the line has uh, either stayed flat or dropped in some places. And Fez, you predict line moves and you do that for free up at com and also through your Twitter, you hit 70 plus percent. You predict this line is going to go down. So, the consensus opinion is even early is you're going to see some sharp money on the Jags. Maddie, let's start with our handicap on this. Interesting note. There has been no losing team in football that has taken more bets
2: from sharp players the last two plus four games this season than the Jacksonville
1: Jaguars. They're two and two, right? I mean, two years plus four games. Oh, OK, OK. Oh, you're saying over the last two years and this season. Yes. They've taken more bets as a losing team than anyone. Yeah, the, the Sharps back Jacksonville week in and
2: week out, especially when they're an underdog and especially when they're an underdog of a touchdown or more. So what's your handicap uh, leaner like in this game? I lean Jacksonville. And what's the rationale? I think the defense is amazing this year. I think this is one of the true blossoming defenses in the NFL. And every time they're an underdog of seven or more or even, of let's say, four more, and they're not supposed to come with a big effort, they do. Everyone wrote them off week one. They came with a huge effort. Then they laid an egg. Then they came with a huge effort, blew Baltimore out of the water. Then they laid an egg and lost to the Jets. They tend to rotate after a bad performance. They tend to rebound. I think this defense rebounds. That's a lot of points in 2017 NFL against an offense. Hasn't quite got on track yet.
1: Leader like
3: Eileen Pittsburgh, all about that defense. Like I said, being ranked number one, the offense is going to be fun. They played three road games. As soon as they get back home, big Ben is a completely different quarterback at home. Maddie's right. The wise guys are going to bet the dog. I will play Pittsburgh. Later in the week, if I can't lay seven, which is unlikely, I'll tease Pittsburgh through those juicy seven through three corridor, tease the Pittsburgh from minus eight down to minus two.
1: And and again, that can be, even if the line's right, that can be, uh, or is an advantage teaser. I guess there's factors like what the total is and the variance of the team play and such, but I don't disagree with that, but Pittsburgh, I think this offense breaks out at some point. I don't think it's the week after Baltimore. So I, I would probably lean Jags here, but Again, Bortles is going to have to throw from behind, which whenever he's had to do that, that's been the problem. And when they've been able to run the ball, Jags have been pretty effective this year. Okay, next game, we've got my disagreement with Fezzik versus the world. And my disagreement's on the Panthers. I told you guys last week, we had a historically bad defense in the Patriots. And I thought a really bad defense, offense in the Panthers. And if you look for the first three games prior to last week, it was quite bad. The Panthers and Cam especially. Now, Mike Lombardi, one of my go-tos when it comes to the X's and O's, he says, listen, the Patriots do poorly against running quarterbacks. It's just their scheme. And Cam felt like this was a marquee game. He ran the ball so much more than he has the first three. And Fez, we've talked about this week after week is Running quarterbacks in high stakes games are more valuable than running quarterbacks in lower stakes games because they're not going to risk running as much. So Cam ran a lot, played maybe a historically bad defense, at least statistically, certainly historically bad in the Pats. And now the conversation, oh, he got the rust off. Oh, he's healthy. That much change in a week from the week prior to the Pats I think this is us as humans trying to apply a narrative to this, rather than just saying, "Hey, he maybe he's getting a little bit less rusty, maybe he's getting a little healthier." But there's not quantum leaps like this. And to me, I think Carolina is overrated right now, cause of the scoreboard, those wins being three and one. This is not a three and one team. You've got them tied for eleventh, one point better than an average team. So tied with Tennessee, tied with Washington. I think you've got Carolina overrated. I disagree. Make your case. I do think
3: that Cam has taken a quantum leap. You look at week two, he was both rusty and injured. He's got McCaffrey wide open. RJ, you would have thrown that touchdown pass. He misses him. I I kind of have a Bernie Kosar
1: delivery, so I'm not sure.
3: It still would have worked. There was nothing in the way. So I turn on and I'm still negative about Cam. I'm like, yep, he's going to play badly against New England. That's what I'm expecting. Nope. Great point. He runs the ball eight times. Now you can say, well, maybe it's because New England's vulnerable to it, but he was willing to run eight times. Because it was against Brady and the Pats. He wasn't willing to run at all against anybody else because he was injured, I feel. And also he had the open receivers. He hit them all. He played a flawless game beyond impressive. I did not think Cam Newton was good enough to play that type of game. I upgraded them huge solely based on Cam Newton.
1: Two and a half point upgrade. So really, if you listen closely, Matty, hold to what Fez said. He revealed the weakness of his position. He said, yes, I believe it's a quantum leap. So the only way your rating makes sense is if Cam is as good as he looked last week. Though we have four games and three he looked like he looked horrible and in one he looked great. And your bet is the one is the truth. Well, I believe they went 15 and one two years ago oh, so the upside is much i higher. mean peyton manning was quarterback in two years ago what i mean what's that got to do with and denver's pretty darn good again this year <laughs> and it has nothing to do with it either <laughs> maddie do you where would you put carolina uh above or below 11th a lot below for me and, and considering let's so you agree Once again, with RJ. I do, and and I think we can look at this week. disagree with Fezzik. Yeah.
2: I think just by looking at the game this week. I mean, I think the fact that they're... I don't think they're
1: better than Detroit on a neutral right now. All right, so let's go into the game. Good segue, and we'll let Maddie start with this one, is we have the Lions at home favored by two against the Panthers. So home field typically is three. So this is saying the Lions are a lesser team than the Panthers. But doesn't this kind of make the case that Fez is right, that that the market is saying the Panthers, like his ratings are in line with the market? A little bit. I think this
2: line's going to come back, though. I, th- I think we're going to start to see. The problem, the narrative this whole week has been, oh, all, the only reason Detroit's winning is because they're getting all these turnovers. Detroit has actually played some bad football, but their offense isn't bad. They took, they stole a touchdown away from Detroit or they'd be undefeated. And they've had a lot of drops and bad stuff happening. Jim Bob Cooter's still doing a good job. The offense is still much better since Calvin Johnson retired. And this Detroit team is better than people think. And it's better than the Carolina
1: Panthers. You know, Maddie, I almost had to break out the tightrope theme. I actually have a new theme music when Fez, when Fez starts equivocating Where he's going left and right and right He said, but he dropped some balls And the sun was in his eyes I I mean, you, I made it especially for him But, you know Oh, no Hold on Oh, no I
2: can't believe I'm getting the Fez music Right? <laughs> <Wait>, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, dude, are you talking about drop passes? <laughs> Every team drops a pass. Now I know you've got buy-in with Detroit, right? Cause you've been high. How have you reevaluated this Detroit team? Cause you said you thought they were a better team than the Packers. You know, most people disagree with that. What's been your reevaluation, if anything? I, I Look, I do love the way they play in the fourth quarter. I
2: love the fact that the locker room's united. It's something that we can't put a value on as analysts. People like Steve and I who analyze data all the time, you can't put a value on a locker room united, and it certainly is in Detroit. But for that matter, their offense, I will admit, is much less efficient than I thought it was the last 18 games under Jim Bob Cooter.
1: Yeah, and and if you look at Stafford's numbers, great. But the offense as a whole, like you said, not as good as you would expect with those numbers. All right, so leaner-like on this game with the Lions favored by two. I like Detroit less than a field goal game. They find ways to win games. And I think they're going to find a way to win a game this week. And that's the classic debate. Do they find ways to win or are they overrated? Cause there's been coin flips that's come up their way. And thus it looks like they find ways to win. That's the never ending debate. Right. And I'm not sure. I know the math guys lean more towards their coin flips, but I think that there's, there's human beings. If everyone had their memories wiped every week, I think it'd be purely luck. But when you do something in your, co- it's like in poker. You get on a. We all know when you when you're losing. If you play poker for hour after hour, it's hard to play well. When you're winning, you have confidence. You make more moves. I think the human factor has to play a role with some of these teams, like the Raiders, that have uh, disproportionate wins recently in close games. And the Lions obviously meet that criteria. Fez, or like on this game. I like Carolina. Well, hold on though. My apologies. It was my fault, not yours. Um, I didn't give you a chance to respond to Carolina so you can wrap it in your handicap, but we went to Maddie first, but yeah, first with the line
3: forecast. And this is probably what I do best. The money will continue to come on Carolina and I'll predict the line winds up at one As the boss. once said, those threes are going and they ain't coming back. There's a reason the pros grab this. Let me make my case. The <laughs> Lions are massively overrated. You talk about a poker player winning, getting confidence. Well, the Lions are like a short stack poker player that keeps getting dealt pocket kings. It's, it's an easy all in. They um, Stats wise, offense, 4.6 yards per play. They give up 5.4. Awful team in terms of stats. Plus nine in turnovers has masked that deficiency. That's what made the Atlanta game look so close. Look at their other games. Arizona. Probably would have lost, but David Johnson, best running back, possibly in the league, goes out in the end of the first half, and that kills Arizona. Then they play the Giants. Beckham, not effective, can't play.
1: I might have to have the tightrope music for him. to go No, ahead, no, but, this is very significant I, because I, it's game like, after
3: ahead. game that all the Giants wide receivers are injured when they play there. And finally, <laughs> and most significantly, oh, they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Congratulations. Bradford couldn't play. And then the gifted running back Cook goes out and fumbles on the play. Minnesota's minus three on fumbles in a game that came down to the final play. Anyone who watched that game, go back and watch it. There is no way you like
1: the Detroit Lions. The 3-1 Lions soon to be seven and nine. (laughs) All right. So you have Carolina as a leaner alike. I like them
2: and
3: it's a
1: good teaser. We need something to tease Pittsburgh with. Let's tease Carolina.
2: I'll give you two to one that the Detroit finishes anything less than eight wins.
3: So generous since they're, what what do they have to go the rest of the year then? Two games below 500. All
1: right. (laughs) The bookmaker comes in. (laughs) So I was reading that, that Shetler book um, where he was talking about, that they had guys that if you asked for a line, it was a must-bet line. So they'd be hanging out at the book, and they'd say, like, that it could be something like this, right? Is what's the odds that Detroit goes blank or blank? And you, you would make it, and Fez would have to bet one way or the other. Now, in this case, you know what Fez likes, so you would shade it. But have you? Have, I haven't really encountered that. That sounds fun. We actually have done it at the book several times. How's that work? We have put up lines. Look, we're willing but you, to had, take you the bet. didn't force them to bet it, though. No, we didn't force That's them the to bet it. That's the interesting part is the must-bet part, right? But, but
3: I would make a substantial bet Detroit will go under 500 the rest of the year, meaning their season win number would go under 9, given their 3-1. and one.
1: Interesting. All right, so it seems like, and, and I think before we move on, this is an important point, is the, do you have something first? No, I'm just, look, he
2: did say they'd go 79. I just gave him an opportunity to
1: back that up with real dollars. (laughs) Possibly a little hyperbole. (laughs) Fez with hyperbole? No way. You can only win if the market's wrong. So if we're going to say, oh, Fez must be right, first off, Fez is favored over me. Let's start there, right? In my opinion, the best NFL guy out there. Not this year. Oh, well, when we go heads up, it's a small sample size. I have had you so far. I agree, but I certainly wouldn't want to go. Like we had to pick every game the whole season. You're a huge favor. Uh, And again, this is me. That's in my fourth year on Kevin and Bean at over 60 percent, three games a week. Now, there's a huge amount of luck in that. Right. I I'm hoping to hit 55, but for three years, that's pretty good. Let's not lie. Uh, Or I guess this is the fourth year is. And this year, by the way, is let's think about this. I was two and one, two and one, three and oh, two and one. So that's nine and three. It's pretty good. All right. So, but when underdogs cover, I win. It's pretty simple. Is if you agree with the market in lay 110, how do you win in the long run? You can't. So the fact the market agrees with you that Carolina is is better in, in Detroit, and and that would be a sign, I think, that there's a lot of love for Carolina. I think that's where the market's wrong. I think that's the bias is this Cam Newton narrative. And I will say, it doesn't mean I'm right, but I predicted if if Cam put up a lot of points and beat the Pats, you would hear he's back, he's healthy, and maybe he is. But isn't it a coincidence it took playing the worst defense in the league? I'm willing to bet the other we way. We took no Carolina action in the look ahead last week. Carolina
2: plus three. You know how many people bet it? Nobody.
1: But amongst your sharp games, and one of the things we'll be talking about here in a few minutes is the, the sharp money game of the week. But another one of your sharp money plays was the Panthers at, at your book so far this week. It was. We, we certainly look. The Sharps are certainly on the Panthers this
2: week. Um, there, there's no question about that. I just and maybe I'm biased toward,
1: uh, you know, Detroit. Well, we no, you're biased yeah. towards Detroit. But, hey, here's the thing, Matt. This is your first year with us on the full pod. We've done ESPN Radio for many years. You need to be right fifty five percent of the time if you're bucking the market and you've been bucking the market with the lines. The fact it looks like it's it, you were wrong about that one hey that's one of the forty five right so don't hold the trick here don't hold on to it because then you get killed if you start trying to revert then the tightrope music comes out everyone 's laughing no you know no one wants that <laughs> all right next game, game number three is. Ray, uh, now, we're going to rapid fire here, and it's part of the reason we had so much talk beforehand. There's a bunch of injury games, and we're going to go through these very quickly. This is one, though, with a line on it. So we'll give this a full handicap, but a fairly quick one. Raiders at home favored by two and a half, hosting the Ravens. Send out
2: on this game was seven. Current line, two and a half. Telling me Derek Carr is only worth four and a
1: half to this game. The now, pro- coming off the seven probably makes it – a half point more, right? Like Sure. All right. We can call it five. That's fair, but it still feels light. I know it's
2: a very small sample size of what we have seen of this Oakland offense without Carr. at the very end of last year, the second half of this last game. But this Oakland offense to me is very
1: different without Derek Carr. It feels a little light. So if you think it's a, a couple points, light potentially like two do. points. So there's no other handicap reasonably that reasonably that, could put you on the other side. If you have one factor, that you think the market's mispricing by two points, you're going to be either leaning or liking that side almost automatically. And you actually like Baltimore here for that
2: reason. I feel like getting Baltimore off a blow in em, double embarrassing blowout losses, uh, that you're going to get the best effort possible from the Baltimore Ravens against EJ manual at plus money this week.
3: Yeah, I agree hundred percent with Maddie. I like Baltimore. I think, That Oakland's offense was already struggling with Carr. So on our notes, you have lean Baltimore. I'm sorry. Lean Baltimore, then. I have to look more closely at my notes. Matty made such a convincing case. He talked me into
1: it. Um, I lean, well, which is fine. Yep. And if you want to do, I love when we change our minds because that means we're listening. So, I mean, two and a half, do you lean or like, I'm going to like, All I'm right, gonna, stepping I'm, I'm going to bonus double like, you know, because the Baltimore, they came back from London.
3: It's such a tough travel to have to play. It's excusable that Baltimore's I, I'm confident Baltimore was a minus three team. That's where they are in my ratings. Three points worse than average. I am very confident that Oakland, if they had to play the whole year with Manuel. RJ, I didn't like this team already. They completely were no shows the two games without him last year. I mean, Oakland's like they—they'd they'd be like a four and twelve team without Carr. They, they, I Baltimore's the right side,
1: and right now you've got without Carr, the Raiders twenty seventh, only four teams worse: the Bears, the Jets, the Browns, and the Colts. Uh, and but with the line at three and a, or two and a half, it is saying that the Ravens are the better team. But you guys think by a bigger margin. Than the line. We got a, a bonus double like on that one. Okay, next two, there's no line right now. So, Manny, I want you to give me just broad strokes of the value of the quarterback. And if you guys have any if then numbers ready, is uh, number one is going to be the Dolphins uh, at the Titans. And, and, well, Fez- oh, check that. I'm sorry, the Dolphins are at home. Yeah, and Fezzik actually talked me down.
2: I was thinking that Mariota is probably worth five. He talked me down to four because Mariota, his legs and his running ability, much like Cam Newton and some other quarterbacks, so critical to the success of his game that with a hamstring injury, we have to identify the injury here, that even if he did play, his running would be less effective. And thus, in this game, he's probably worth four instead of five.
3: And I keep downgrading him. Remember, during the preseason, I said Mariota was worth six. And frankly, he hasn't been as effective as I thought he would be, even though the Titans have been playing well. So I'd already downgraded him to about four and a half before he got hurt. Now he's not going to be healthy, even if he plays. So the differential between an 85% Mariota and a Castle, probably three and a half.
1: Okay. If this line was up right now, it would be my best bet. I believe this is the biggest single factor for the Dolphins. I've seen in an NFL game in years. We talked at length about the fatigue factor in London last week for the Dolphins. I would make the case that they're more tired now, right? Cause to whatever degree you were tired on Sunday, now it's travel all the way across the ocean. Again, be only the fourth team ever to play without a buy. Think about this after London. Right. Last year, the first team ever was the Colts. Colts covered. Oh, and two this year. Owen oh, to two this. So everyone thought, oh, maybe no buy is a good move here. I don't know if it was just because the Colts or they had some guy do, you know, body physiology studies or whatever. But now, zero oh, to two this year. And maybe if you're not tired coming in, you, you're, but we all know fatigue is something that you build a deficit. And I'm going to go ahead, Steve. Yeah. And pursuant to your point, Miami's
3: defense, the last two games, remember, on average, your defense plays 60 minutes. RJ, 72 minutes of game time for that defense. They've been out there a whole lot of plays.
1: That's a good stat. I didn't have that. So, 60, 120 minutes, and, and there was no overtimes because they got blown out <laughs> twice. And I mean, think about it. In hindsight, I know this sounds crazy, but in hindsight, if that game was played again against the Saints, What's the scenario that the Dolphins cover? Like if the line was 10 and a half instead of three, and I think it got to three and a half, right? Is I think if they replayed it with exactly the same human, like if we had a time machine – I think I lay ten and a half. And back to the fatigue. Remember, they're tied at the end of the first
3: half. The line actually closed four at almost every place. So it ties into open like pick one. It ties into Miami progressively wore down as the game went on.
1: And now you're the fourth team ever to not have a buy. So I'm gonna run through it real quick. Week three of the preseason on the road in Philadelphia. Week four of the preseason at Minnesota. So those aren't even short trips, right? You might think, oh, playing in, you know, Jacksonville. We're at no two fairly long trips. Week one, they were gonna play at home. Game got postponed midweek. They made a smart decision, I thought, went out to the West Coast, spent over a week with an extended training camp. I think it helped Cutler, at least for that first game. They ended up beating, uh, winning in LA. Great, right? You fly back home. You're the first across the whole country, five, six hours. First time. That you are dealing now with the aftermath of the hurricane, the human element, millionaire or not, you've got to deal with it. Okay, now home game. No, couple days later to New York, another long trip. Got dominated by the Jets. Dominated. Come back home. Well, time to rest now, right? To London, the longest trip of the NFL season, and you get embarrassed, and now you coming back from London. I think they're they're more fatigued in this game. So, to me, w- whatever first line comes out. As quick as I can bet it, I'm going to be betting the Titans. And and I think I saw the theory was is if Mariota doesn't play that I saw about Pickham. So whereas, you know, it, it'd be saying even without Mariota uh, that the Titans would be three points better. D- does that sound right to you, Fez, or doesn't it? I think the Titans might
3: actually come the favorite without Mariota here because of all the reasons you just listed.
1: All right, so at Pickham, you would certainly like the Titans. Yes. Okay. What do you think, man? Like, What would you guess the line is if, if Mariota doesn't play, I was just trying to cheat it right
2: now and see what they put up in the super contest. Cause at least it's a gauge. Cause nobody has a live betting action lineup, but I didn't get it in before you asked me. Um, I would guess that the line is probably going to come out close to pick him because I think if Mariota played, and even though we said he's worth four, I think the number was going to
1: be either three minus 20 or three and a half if he played. And again, going through three is, is very That's valuable. Right. So, okay. All right. So I pick him. I'm taking the Titans even without the quarterback. Okay. Next game is Monday Night Football. No lineup. We got the Bears and Vikings. I think this one is pretty quick, right? We're at Bradford. What? Three, three and a half points, Fess? We were. And I think we still
3: are because the backup looks so bad against the lions, but Bradford's not going to be hundred percent. Let's face it. If he's been out for a couple of weeks with what wasn't supposed to be that key of an injury, we got to downgrade him. If when the first week he's back, what, what's he going to be?
1: 75%. So three.
3: Yeah. Let's make it three. Interestingly, the Titans are three on the super contest.
1: Okay. The Titans are three, but that's kind of hedging between what, yes. what's the chance of Mariota playing. Would you say right now?
2: I would say he's a true, I'd say 55%. All right,
1: so right around a coin flip, which makes sense, right? It's It'd be pick him um, with him. Oh, I'm sorry, pick him without him, let's say. And then we would say, what, about four? And you're saying, what's the line of the Super Contest? Three. Okay, so they're, they're kind of leaning towards... Play. It seems like they're making it unattractive to bet Tennessee there. Yes. Yeah, so... Which, again, they usually shade their lines pretty sharp. So that's a sign of pick them. I like it, even without Marietta. Okay, next game. And this is what we're calling a half handicap. It's such a bad game. We're only giving you half a handicap. It's the Colts and the 49ers. Colts are one and a half at home. I lean Colts here. I've been
2: down on the 49ers all year. I've been bagging on Fez telling them, you know, in this exact matchup, I told you on a neutral, I would take the Colts, even though they're saying San Fran's a better team here. I think Jacoby Brissett, despite the fact that we all admit Seattle is the toughest road place to go play in the stadium as a young quarterback, only making his third career start handled it. Well, they were up 15, 10 at halftime imploded in the second half and they got blew out, but he has played well at home. I expect him to return back to home. This, this Colts team has showed more grit lately in the regular season than they did in the preseason without Andrew Luck. I actually like the Colts in this spot.
3: I pass, but I do think the number one factor is hope for the Colts in that Brissette's playing better. And oh, Andrew Luck coming back to practice does not look like a lost season anymore. You know that the game or the two games before he comes back, you probably get a better effort out of the Colts.
1: Okay, so energy with the potential of or the likelihood of Luck coming back. That's an interesting point.
2: And we always talk about teams off really bad emotional losses. San Francisco actually had the lead in overtime. If you went back, I think, and looked at how many teams have actually had the lead in overtime, but lost the game. It's an overwhelming
1: stat toward teams scoring first in overtime winning. Okay. So speaking of the Seahawks, we're going to have a double like one of the, the only double like of the week in that game coming up in a few minutes. Uh, cold, (sighs) I agree, and we were talking about it in in the production meeting, is I think Brissett is going to have, as a young quarterback, uh, has a big home-away split where the difference in his play is drastic, and obviously Seattle is the toughest place to play if the crowd's into it. So it strikes me that... Uh, there should be some general optimism here for the Colts, but I do find it interesting. They're at home and they're far less than three. So the market's showing the 49ers a little bit of respect here. I think like if this line's three, I play the, Oh, I'm sorry. If this line's three, I think it's about right. You know, I'm not sure I don't play the Colts here actually thinking about it because I mean, are we sure the 49ers are better right now? I don't believe so personally. And I mean that, but it, it, why not like it then? I mean, if you, should the line be three? Cause if you can lay one and a half for three, that's a, that's a take off the rubber band play. I think if we made this
2: line at halftime Sunday night, when it was 15, 10 Indy, it is three. Okay.
1: So did we really see something? And that's what we're going to talk about. What is that Seattle second half? Cause my point is Seattle's played eight halves this year and they've played one. That's a B plus or better. What did we really learn in that half? I'm not sure, but so, Fez, let me ask you, you actually, you only have one pass in the whole game, the whole day, and, well, actually, multiple days, including Monday, and you pass this game. So why not bet the Colts? You believe the 49ers are clearly better. Yeah, my power ratings have their defense. Matty
3: and I disagreed on this. I actually think the 49ers' D is quite good. I think the fact that the Rams put so many points on them, that again, unfairly blasted for that. Their stats say that they're really a good team. But uh, my gut says. they're Hold, lose hold again. on a
1: second. Hold on a second. I'm looking at your power ratings right now. Big difference. No way. You've got on a neutral field. You're saying. What? On a neutral field. You're saying that the 49ers will be four and a half point favorites over the Colts. Yeah, I've got San Francisco. No, I, I, I mean, yeah, you could repeat the numbers. It's a four and a half point difference. Yeah, I don't think Indy is a good. I don't think Indy is a good team so at all. I, so my response, I, I say you have a four and a half point. Day. Yes, one's minus nine and one's <laughs> minus four and a half. Okay, thank you. Now explain how are the. So let's talk about the teams Here, that the Forty ers So you're saying the Forty ers will be favored over the Dolphins right now? There's no debate. Four and a half and five. Yes. Okay, and you're saying the Forty ers would be only a half point underdog to Arizona? Yes.
3: That was a bad line when Arizona, they just played. And it was just a bad line. I said it was a bad line. Then why is this week? a
1: huge bet? Is let's, we're coming off a three with the home field. I get it. So let's say this is from three to one and a half is two and a half points, right? Because one and a half mathematically, but let's count to three as double. So there's a two and a half point difference in this line. You're saying it's four and a half. Why not make a monster bet on the 49 My power ratings say I
3: should my gut says that Indy under Brissett is going to improve. And they just got blown out on national TV. And again, those 18, 18 in the middle of the third quarter misleading final score. But I tell you this stats wise, Indy is like has a horrible offense and they have one of the worst defenses. They're really a bad team.
1: I, I just don't, can you really just keep referring to these yards per play stats after four games? Like, do you, and maybe you're right, but do you trust these numbers that much right now? Because if so, why aren't the Rams like the second or third best team? The reason, the difference is that the Rams were supposed to be bad going into
3: the year. Am I supposed to throw that expectation completely in the garbage can? We've always said the Colts are as bad as the Jets if luck isn't playing. But the
1: 49ers were supposed to be really bad too, but you're talking about the good stats.
3: Yeah, so so I've got... Con- conflicting information and data. Yeah. I don't have any conflicts with the in data. they allows- But
1: hold on a second. With the Rams, you got conflicting information. They, came, they were supposed to be a below average team. Their stats are great. You're meeting in the middle. Right. Okay. But with the Colts, they, I'm sorry, check that. The 49ers, they were supposed to be a bad team. Their stats are great or, or good. And somehow you're talking about the stats being what's driving it. Why not mitigate your belief in those stats? Because they are contrary with saying the 49ers are good to what the expectation was.
3: I have for, for, to a great extent going into the year. If luck, when luck was out, we said the Colts are the worst team with the jets. San Francisco is clearly better. And San Francisco has outplayed them over the course of the year. Of course, San Francisco has to be significantly better in my numbers and my projections.
1: What do you think of this?
2: I think I hear these kind of conversations all the time from really smart analytical guys. And then at the betting window, we don't see it. The 49ers are way better, but I won't bet them. Detroit is way worse than Carolina, but I won't bet Carolina. And that's what happens week in and week out. Hey, this team's really bad, but they keep winning. And this team's really good the 49ers, but they haven't won a game yet. And then they, you know, look, it shows up at the betting windows and it's hard, right? One of the hardest things to do is say, this is what my stats say. Well, then why don't you bet it? Well, because I think this team's ugly, but making those ugly bets are sometimes the right bet.
3: And I did bet them to be fair. Last week, I talked about how seven was a ludicrous number against Arizona and what a great bet and how much
1: CGT was going to lose on the game. hanging seven. Okay, so well, they didn't hang seven. The whole world hanged seven, right? They can hang whatever they want. I feel like lost. the whole world was six. I feel <laughs> like this is a fictitious seven out right there on that. <laughs> All right, so last thing about this 49ers. So Detroit's a team you've got way underrated relative to Mark or to the public's belief, and the 49ers you got overrated. So let's think about this based upon the public's belief. So you've got minus four and a half for San Fran and minus one for Detroit. So three and a half point difference. Home field is three. So you're saying that the, the 49ers at home would almost be pick them. Maybe would be plus one against the line. Absolutely. The sh- under Shanahan. Who would you be
3: betting there, Matt?
1: Yeah, probably Detroit.
3: <laughs> under Shanahan, do not underestimate that complex offense. And it's going to take a while. Well, it's been a while. We're in October. They will continue to improve.
1: I agree. New schemes usually do trend upwards. Okay. Next game. Well, that was a long talk for a half a handicap. I don't know why the music didn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was getting, listen, I hear you. I hear you. I don't agree. I- listen, the music's going to be saved where you're not making any sense. Not when I disagree with you. It's when you say things like the sun was in his eyes. That's when the music comes on <laughs> to make one of your, or even for Maddie. Who knows? All right. Next game. We got game number seven. Oh, all right, guys, we're getting to all the picks now. These are the two total games. Each of the boys get one total a week, and this is the total they really like. So this is a nice pick, and a lot of you guys know the uh, totals markets are often softer, so there's some real value here. And this is Maddie. It's the Eagles and the Cardinals. On the side, Eagles at home favored by six and a half. Both these
2: teams have to travel from the West coast to the East coast this week. So a little bit of travel issues for both teams. This Arizona defense is the only reason this team is hung in games. They kept them. They kept the uh, San Francisco 49ers out of the end zone entirely the entire game again last week. Um, This defense is playing great football and this Philadelphia offense. Isn't that great? Uh, You know, missing players again, uh, losing a key running back this year, surely didn't help him. And I just think going back home, this game's probably going to be tight. I love the under. And if you have to love the under, I think in this case, you have to like the correlated parlay, which is Arizona plus the six or six and a half and the under forty five and a half. All right. So do you agree
1: with the total? Fez?
3: I do. I agree with the parlay as well. I'll lean with that parlay, which makes a whole lot of sense to me that I think that the Arizona D it's going to be able to shut down any non-elite offense, and with the injuries Philly has, they are certainly not elite, even with a good O line.
1: Now, my understanding is, and maybe there's been an update this week, but the Eagles were hurt in their defensive backfield, right? Has that cleared up? They got all of them back except that one, um, Maynard. Or- so, so mostly cleared up. Yes, but now the and and, and let's take off the injuries on offense. Where's the injuries at there? So Sproles is. Yeah, uh, okay. That's out. Well, that leaves them only with really Wendell
2: Smallwood running the football, and, and Sproles was that catch the ball out of the backfield, and then they have
1: uh, a receiver and a tight end banged up this week, questionable as well. I right, And, Fez, give me the the logic of the correlation. And, and real quick, a correlated parlay is if one event happens, then the other event has better than a 50% chance to happen in that case. And if it's better than, you know, 54% or so, it's better to do a parlay, even though you're paying a little more VIG, the correlation makes it a better bet.
3: I have a very high confidence Arizona is going to score about 20 points in this game. Their offense is really struggling, but the Eagles D is decimated with injuries. They're vulnerable enough. Arizona's going to get 20. So the only question is, how much does Philly get? And if Philly can hold them in check, you're going to win your bet. Arizona can hold them check. You're going to
1: win your bet on Arizona and you're going to win your under because Arizona should score
3: right about 20.
1: So you have optimism for the Arizona defense, but you don't think Arizona can win in a shootout. Thus, if you like Arizona, you like the under
3: exactly right. If 60 points get scored, Philly's going to cover.
1: And remember the correlation doesn't have to be 80%, 75. If it's 55, it improves your long-term results. Uh, That parlay will. Okay. Game number eight, total number two, browns jets and Fez you've got the total on this one
3: yeah I'm going over the 39 and my number one handicap is kind of a global generic handicap in the new NFL I feel 39 should be reserved for games that absolutely have backup so a number below 40. Any number below 40. You like? You ask me, who do you like, Fez? RJ, 95% of the time, I'm going to say I at least lean to the over. And what I like here about these two teams, the Browns, as ineffective as they are on offense and as bad as Kaiser is, they chuck the ball down the field. They take chances. I mean, they're trying to score. And I really like that the Jets are being aggressive on offense as well, even though they run the ball quite a bit. So we've got two teams that got nothing to lose that are playing aggressively. Yeah, they're not the greatest offenses. You know what? They're not the greatest defenses either.
1: So, uh, uh, Maddie, give us your opinion on the total. I do agree with uh, Fez's Uh, what he said
2: about the total and and to put it in perspective, an under 40 in NFL for me is the equivalent of a six in the national league in baseball or a six and a half in the American league in baseball. It's just something you don't naturally ever want to bet under. It should be reserved for, you know, the Clayton Kershaw versus Madison Bumgarner situations. That's not what we have here. Both starting quarterbacks, fine. Both teams relatively healthy jets coming off two straight
1: wins. Okay. so the here's my concern is the 2017 NFL the same as we thought it was entering the year with the O lines and all the talk about the union agreement makes it hard to get the cohesion. I mean, obviously scoring's down, right? In the first two weeks, things have completely metamorphed
3: the last two weeks.
1: Correct. Okay. So, so in hindsight now, do we put this in our back pocket for next year that early in the year, we're going to be looking unders because of this, line cohesion issue we've been putting in our back pocket for years a wise guy secret look to play unders weeks one and two we don't keep secrets not any longer (laughs) pregame.com i'm I'm writing it down (laughs) (laughs) i'm rj bell that was maddie Holt and steve fezzik oh real quick then so you agree with the total maddie browns and jets give us your leaner like on the side I do agree with the total, but I wouldn't play it personally. Gun to head, of course, I'm playing the game
2: over. But again, it's a passing league, and, and Kaiser's the worst QBR quarterback in the NFL right now. But
1: when you have a high-variance quarterback like that, that can lead sure. to overs because of fumbles, pick mm-hmm. sixes, etc. That's right. I mean, so I would certainly play the over. Look, I like the Jets.
2: At this point, sometimes when you have two really bad teams, you think, all oh, right, the Cleveland's in the desperation mode right here. I just don't think Deshaun Kaiser gets it. Jets have two
1: double positive momentum off two straight wins. I would actually lean Jets. I, right. I would say the Browns are one of my top three or four picks of the week. So I want to kind of pick you guys' brains on it. Fez? Although I'm passing,
3: I do think that the Browns are probably the right side. I just hate to say Browns when they're one in 19 straight up the last 20, but I don't like the fact that he says, Oh, the Jets have momentum. I like teams that have momentum at home the fact that they're supposed to win three and a half games this year, and they won two back-to-back at home, and now they go to Cleveland. Oh, gosh. I can just see everyone missing curfew and
1: mailing this one in. i got to be honest with you. One, let's pose the following. Colin Cowherd talked about, you know, this could be for uh, Darnold, right? Now, because Jets have two wins, but they could end the year with two wins in theory. And if they win this game, odds – and then that gives Cleveland a loss – in a game that they could win. Do you hey, believe Sam Darno is the best quarterback in college football? I don't know enough about college to, I I'm not a scout. So, but it seems like a lot of people, I mean, when you have a saying for the guy, right? Suck for Sam. It's usually a sign. They're a top player, right? Or at least perceived as that. Sure. I,
2: I don't completely disagree. I just think, um, I think perceptions become bad. Remember Christian Hackenberg and some of these guys—they get overly hyped in college, and they're terrible. But having the number one
1: pick has value. Whoever—that's sure, right. Whoever right? it is, that's right. And so, it's
2: going to be a quarterback or whichever one of them it is. There's lots of good ones. And you know the Browns?
1: I mean, the Browns have passed now on. You know, with Wentz, at some point you've got to pick a quarterback. So agreed. It just—do you think there's any? Because Fez, listen, we celebrate the wins, right? We celebrate the wins for sure. But we're going to face squarely the losses. I mean, you were playing wrong about this Jets team. I'm not sure you could be more wrong. Yeah, Starting was, the season, you were like, they're, they're tanking, they're tanking. 0-16, baby. Yeah. So where were you wrong? They're not tanking. <laughs> yeah, they're not tanking. <laughs> it's that simple. So, the, players are so the fact that no team in NFL history has ever tanked, that didn't convince you.
3: <laughs> Believe it or not, it's possible that the Browns are tanking this year.
1: Oh, I disagree with that. Uh, but to me, the reason I like the Brown, remember now, this is an order. I mean, this coach, this, it's not like this coach is a new coach. I mean, if the Browns go one and 15, is Hugh Jackson there after this year? Can you really lose that many games to keep your job? So who's tanking then? And he's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer because yeah. of what he
2: did
3: with Andy Dalton. But look at how many have they gone through now since he got to Cleveland. I think this is the problem with the Browns, and maybe this is why you shouldn't bet them, RJ. Their average age is 24. Let's think about that. I'm sure they got a few guys on their roster that are in their 30s. So there's a whole bunch of 23 year olds that have been in the league for one year. How can these guys have discipline if they haven't played together? I think, at all? I
1: think that's the opposite. I think a young team that feels like they have a future it, it doesn't get us down when they're. I think Arizona is the type of team. That, as you know, as they lose, if they lose once they're out, and I think it's going to happen fairly soon, once they're out of the playoff hunt, I think a veteran team gets depressed and goes and not tank, but 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 the energy, uh, you know, the passion isn't there. I think young teams keep playing. So I the agree. Browns just drafted a quarterback again this year. Again. Yeah, but what was the pick number?
2: Like second round. Deshaun yeah. Kaiser. So,
3: I mean, that's taking a flyer.
2: Second round, and he started game one. That's yeah, taking a flyer. Because they didn't have anyone
1: else.
3: K-
2: Cody Kessler?
3: It's still mm-hmm. early October. We're not late into the year. I agree with your point, and in, in, it'll be vowed in November. We still have no cohesion in the line play, guys working together in the secondary. It's going to take for all
1: teams or the Browns for the
3: younger teams and the Browns are the youngest team. I mean, they didn't just keep losing.
2: They were it was thirty-one to nothing to the Bengals last week. Deshaun Kaiser looks completely and utterly lost. As long as Hugh Jackson pencils in starting quarterback Deshaun Kaiser, there is no possible way I put one penny of my money on the Cleveland Browns with QB starting Deshaun Kaiser.
3: Well, you might have to in the Super Contest if one of your partners picks them. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, to me, here's why I'm playing. In fact, I, I I hear you guys. I haven't heard you just saying that, Matty makes me want to bet him because I've always said the hardest bets to make are the best bets, and now they don't always work out because when he throws three pick sixes, it's like see, and that's why it's so hard to fade a good team. You can just see that good team, you know, winning by thirty. But how many weeks ago was it? Two weeks ago, the Browns played the Colts. And the Browns were on the road favored by
2: one, right? But Fez admitted, and I brought it up that week as my play, that Indy
1: was mispriced in the power rating period. I agree. And I had the Colts, too, as part of my wonderful season so far. But my point is, now it's two weeks later. And let's just agree, the power ratings have gone up or down. The three worst teams in the league and Fez's power ratings are the Jets, the Browns, and the Colts. 2 weeks ago one of those teams is on the road and against one of the other teams so that's the Browns at the Colts and the Browns are favored now one of those teams is at home that team that was favored playing one of the other three worst teams they're home and they're pickem that's a 6 point swing He's right. We got are. We got to lose their money on Cleveland. That is
3: impeccable. <laughs> logic. I,
1: I mean, that's what blows. To me, this is like I've been pre it's almost like God came down and said, I'm going to give you a perfect example of how. A game here and a game there. The the Jets have two wins, so it's affecting that market so much. But I put a huge asterisk by that Miami win because of the fatigue. And, hey, the Jags, that could have went either way. Thing. But let's give – I don't think it's an asterisk. I think it's a half a win because it could have went either way. But I think it's an
2: asterisk, too, because Jags are coming off
1: uh, London. Yeah, but, hey, they, yeah, maybe. And we might find out historic, over time that is such a big negative people don't realize. And a big part of the Jets win,
3: if you watch the game – On their first touchdown, they ran for six yards. The running back fell down, and the Jags thought he'd been touched, and he just got up and ran another 70 yards. That'll skew some rushing stats right there. I
1: mean, aren't the Browns – I mean, there's – you know, I always say this about professional athletes. They were the best athlete by far in their high school. Every Browns player pretty much was the best – and probably the best athlete on their college team, if not top two or three of the whole team. And if they lose here, it's going to be such an embarrassment. I mean, I would make the case the Browns have the motivational edge, and isn't the crowd going to be into it? Like we can maybe win a game. I mean, we talk about being contrarian in order to
2: win. I have said since day one the worst two teams in football are the Cleveland Browns in the AFC and the San Francisco Niners in the NFC. And I'm not trying to say I'm right, but they have a combined zero wins this year, and Cleveland just doesn't look like they're getting better. I get the young team
1: getting better, but thing. to be three points worse than the Jets. They don't have to get better. True. I don't disagree with that. Because as a pick them at home, they're saying it's three points worse than the Jets. In the movie I, I don't The Gambler, the Jets that.
3: are like the college basketball equivalent of Brown. We're <laughs> not going to lose to Brown. How could
1: we? A lot of gambler here. Pregame.com. That's Steve Fezzik. I'm RJ Bell. We got Maddie Holt, the bookmaker, with us. All right. So, you know, I like the Browns. We'll probably be hearing about that on. Uh, and plus the symmetry is so nice. I can't get away from that symmetry of the pick'em and the pick em. Uh or actually road favor. Okay, next game. Ooh, game number nine. We're getting to the sharp money. So Maddie, we can debate. We can go on Twitter. People are telling us who's sharp and who's not from Nebraska somehow. And with eighty Twitter followers, you take the biggest bets in legal bets in the in, well in the country. Let's say that the biggest legal bets in the country in Nevada for sure. And the country for sure is we had as one of the sharpest plays and we had a list of a couple, the Bengals. So that's our next game. The Bengals, super, super sharp, laying three at home against the Bills. Maddie, I don't need to know they're sharp. I want to hear what you think. And look, we could have said the Bills were laying in the woods
2: and underrated last week because they were three, and know, against the spread going into the Atlanta game. But after you go on the road and and defeat the defending NFC champion, you're no longer laying in the weeds. People know about this Buffalo Bills team. And despite and despite that fact that they're four and oh against the spread three and one straight up, the sharp money has overwhelmingly come in
1: thus far on the side of the Cincinnati Bengals. Hold on a second. We're back to the home team being three. The, the Bengals are one in three and they beat the Browns and they're saying it's an even team with the bills. How is the market accounting for how good the bills are? and now you're telling me the sharps are betting the bangles so it seems like the bills are getting huge if you believe in the bills you got to take this back that's what i'm saying this is how sharp this Bengals money is this
2: week because despite the fact that the buffalo bills just got that overwhelming public
1: okay. so you're saying the week. sharps are fading it with such vigor yes. taking off the taking off the bankroll and as they say oh we got a little sound for this one here we go what are you doing why this guy don't carry his money in a wallet Hey, why does this guy carries money in a roll? So they take out their bankroll, and they're betting so, Pacino, they're betting so big that all the logic, because I heard Colin talking about this game, he goes, what? The Bengals are horrible. The Bills are good. I'm getting three. Gimme, gimme, gimme. So we know that's the way that the average person is going to think, and the fact this is three is showing you how sharp the Bengals' money
2: is. That's right, because at the end of the day, when you look at this game, you're going to see one of those stats where it says 78% tickets on Buffalo Bills 79% of the money on
1: Cincinnati Bengals. Well, you're only going to see that for free at pregame.com <laughs> only place in the world with that information. Fez, we had a big disagreement on the bills on Fox national radio. Now we could act like no one was listening, but it's on 330 stations coast to coast on Sirius 83, not up in the two hundreds or whatever that no one listens to serious 83 and the iHeartRadio app. And I had the bills. And you had the Falcons. So, I mean, I I could say I'm right, but I don't need to say it. And the funny thing was you responded and you said, wait a minute, look the Bengals are favored by three. That means the bills aren't really good. And then I'm like, wait a minute though. The Bengals ATS margin was actually bigger than the bills ATS margin. So in theory, let's just say they both were super impressive. And last week, You had the Bengals, let's get this straight, two points worse than an average NFL team, and you had the Bills three points worse than an average NFL team. So you were saying Cincy was clearly better, and now they both have a really good performance. I'll give you that. We could say the Bengals had a better, but let's say both really good. And now the line's three. So are you ready to admit not only I was right about the Bills against the Falcons plus eight, but I was also right about you were wrong about the Bills last week?
3: You were right on both counts. And that's why the bills have been upgraded. You know, I still disagree completely with the media that has them as a top even 10 team. I still have them as a slightly below average team. This is a quandary here, RJ, because if you just looked at year to date on the bills, even though their stats aren't that good, you know what? They're mediocre. I will go ahead and say the bills have played better than an average team. But coming into the year, my expectations were that they were going to play worse. And they lost some really key guys, including Watkins, the playmaking wide receiver.
1: And this is an embarrassing one. And again, you just won 55K. So we're going to kill you when we can. Is you said you thought the Bills were tanking. But I did, to my (laughs) credit. Although I I said that, I I waffled.
3: I correctly put on the music. I correctly waffled on national radio. I came on and said, RJ, I am in error. The Bills are not tanking. I've been sucked in by the media story here, and I was incorrect. So I did reverse my position that way. Oh, wait, so this is the
1: opposite. If you're actually accepting fault, you're not dancing on the line. And and
3: and and I'm waffling, but I did make the right call, and I got off the fact that the Bills were tanking way before a lot of other people did. However, going forward, the question is, what are we going to see from the Bills? Are we going to see the team that's played great the first four weeks, or are we going to see what I believe has to be a key regression back to a below average team that's what my projections are calling for and that's why i have the bills a slightly below average team
1: but it seems like the market agrees with you right now i mean we can parse a point here or there but most casual fans are going to look at the bills plus three and 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 think you know i'm getting three against the Bengals. it's because of a wise guy secret trend the
3: wise guys are going to back an 0 one team almost always week two in the nfl against a one on team and curiously they also love I don't know why this works, R.J. One in three teams do great against three and one teams, especially when the three and one teams off a win. The logic is the one and three team. The season is on the line, but there's still hope. It's not like now, do dead. you have
1: to parse out. Does this team have true playoff aspirations or not? Or you play it? It blind? doesn't
3: matter. You can play it blind. And the three and one team <gasps> can take a breath. The season started out well. We'd like to win as opposed to, wow, this is a must win.
1: Uh, that's a good, uh, that makes some sense, right? Because you're three and two, it's not the end of the world. And if you're two and three, you're still in it. If they end up winning that game, but if you're one and four for, you know, f- shut out the lights. Okay. Interesting. I like the belt to me. I'm going to spot play them. I love them when they are in, I think they're going to play close games. They don't turn the ball. I don't like them laying eight. Now, listen, they won to the get, I don't want. Uh, the quarterback thrown from behind from the Bills, Taylor. I don't want him thrown from behind. And if you take eight, usually at some point, you're going to be thrown from behind. But I love them, like, you know, plus four, plus four and a half against other average teams. I think this Bills team is old school, and and, and I like them for sure. But just to be clear, then, is we've got a pass for Maddie and a lean towards Cincy from Fez and the sharpest of the sharp money on the Bengals. Okay, game number 10, our only double like of the week. And then after that, we got three best bets and that's it. We're going to break another record here for the length of the dream preview. But by the way, guys, last week we teased about the amount of coupon. Let's do that now. Cause they delivered to such an amazing degree. We literally, this sounds shocking. We had 30%. We've been doing this dream preview dream pod. You know, we used to call it a little different name for, uh, I guess this is what, the fourth year? Does that sound right, or the third year? Yeah, it's the fourth year. It's the fourth year we're doing this. And last week, we had the most listens ever by a huge margin, right? And Or, or two weeks ago, I guess. And then last week, guys, we went up over 35%. So you break a record, and then you go up over 35%. So... Man, oh, man, what I promised you was if the coupon usage went up, if the listenership went up, that we would then up the cube. We're going to keep upping the ante until you guys fall short. And then we'll play that tightrope dancing music for you. man. Oh, no. If you guys fall short, we'll play this music for you. Hold on. (laughs) But they're not going to fall short for us. So we'll turn that off because you guys have done such an amazing job. Sharing and, and listen, if you like to buy picks, you want Fez's very best stuff, what's your NFL record this year? 47 and 21. That's a lot of games.
3: Yeah, a lot of unders weeks one and two, and that includes
1: preseason. Okay, 47 and 21, including the preseason, but winning in the regular season.
3: And you're going to get mad at me, RJ. I put up a package. I know you don't like it when I do this. I said all early week releases in the NFL, because I thought I'd have a couple. As it turns out, you can get all 6. I've released 6 plays in the NFL
1: all for the price of $25. All right, so gave it away, RJ. 25 Wow, 25 sounds like a good deal by itself, but we're giving you a $12 coupon. It started at 10. It went to 11 when you helped us break the record. Now it's gone up to 12 because we've broken another record. Here's the coupon NFL dream 12. So NFL Dream, then the one, then the two. It's all caps, all one word. NFL Dream, 12, 12 bucks off anything. That could be Fezix package or any other package in the NFL only. And if you like college, there's another coupon in the college preview. Check that one out. And if we break the record again, we're going to go up to 13 and 14 and 15. No, no, we're going to keep going. Fez is saying no, we're going to keep going to 30. I don't think we're going to get to 30, but we're going to keep going. You guys got that. And listen, if you don't listen, of all the people who listen, only, you know, certainly not half by picks. We value every listener. And if you like what we're doing, share it with your friends. It's free, right? Obviously share it on your social media or, and give us five stars on iTunes or whatever your podcast platform is that helps. And that in aggregate is why we're able to spend so much time and money. We got sound effects now. I mean, who knows where this ends? So super excited. And speaking of the sound effects coming into the best, Oh wait. So we've got our one double like, and then we'll have a little sound for the best bat. It's the Rams and the Seahawks. Rams are favored by one and a half at home. Maddie. I mean,
2: not only have the Rams been the biggest surprise team in the NFL this year, their offense far surpassed anybody's expectations this year, but they own the Seattle Seahawks in this series at home already. Even when they stunk la- the last couple of years on offense, they still were able to beat Seattle at home. They always beat Seattle at home. Now you can argue they might even be the better team laying less than a field goal. This has to be one of the best bets for
1: everyone here. You certainly at least have to like the Rams. So Maddie likes the Rams. Wow. Because I think most people have been surprised that Seattle's the underdog here, even. But Faz, this is the battle of the stats this year versus the expectations coming in the year.
3: Yeah, and I agree with Maddie. I think that the expectations are irrelevant because they were so off. What was the narrative? Oh, it'd take a while for McVay and Goff is hopeless. They're going to need to draft. him. That was my narrative. That was a lot of people's narratives. Well, the truth is, is that golf is an above average quarterback above average. And Hey, they're leading the NFL in scoring. You don't do that with a below average quarterback. Look at the running back early. He's always been hurt. Now he's healthy. He's a monster. Look at Watkins, their wide receiver from Buffalo. So they got a speedster. Look at Whitworth, their monster on the offensive line that they stole from my Bengals and ruined our year. (laughs) <laughs> um, across the board, even in the trenches, this team is so good. And also, Maddie mentioned it at home. Hey, this team, L.A., no home field advantage of any sub- substantial amount. of having two points. That is a mistake. That is about to get upgraded to three. No one in L.A. cares about the Chargers. They have one team in Los Angeles, one home team. It's the Rams. They're high scoring. That home field's about to kick up to
1: three. Okay, and, and that's an interesting point because home field is oftentimes about the – buy-in of the crowd the enthusiasm of the crowd let's look at your power ratings so you've got the rams right now where are the rams right in the middle all right you've got them number 14 exactly zero which means an average team and you've got seattle number eight so wait a minute if seattle is eight and they're two points better than an average team And the Rams are 14 and they're zero. They're an average team by definition. And if the Rams, let's give them three for home. But you're coming off of that three. How do you think there's value on the Rams minus one and a half?
3: Two things. In a video today, I mentioned how Matty was going to pick me off on the Rams because they're actually a one point better than average team. I've got them underrated in my ratings.
1: Further, Seattle. So wait, if you think that you're underrated, why didn't you rate them plus one?
3: I, I did while I drove over here. It was like it Okay, was, so it, this it is, we, you ha- You
1: this this a certain a certain point. You get new information. So I think what you should be doing, because you can get these ratings in the forum at pregame.com, I think you keep that thread going and goes, guys, I'm going to upgrade the Rams to plus one and just keep a running thread going throughout the week as you contemplate and make changes. And frankly, I was prepping for my video today that we taped and that I came to that
3: conclusion. The Rams are clearly an above average team. And remember, RJ, although I have Seattle two points better, there's a fallacy in that rating. And the fallacy is it's an overall rating. Seattle has the biggest home field advantage in the NFL, slightly more than four points. So the truth is, is that they're, they're better than two points than an average team at home. They're worse on the road
1: and they're also worse early in the year on the road. That's a powerful concept. And if we weren't an hour and a half in or hour 37, in, I would explain it, we will soon next couple of weeks. But if you play extraordinarily well at one at home, especially disproportionately well, it's going to skew your entire rating, and relatively, you're going to be worse on the road. And the very best home teams, Green Bay, Seattle, we see on the road, they're almost always overrated, and their ATS record is not good at all. All right, so you guys both like the Rams. And last thing, I do want to explain this because you've said it a few times. If you've got the stats and it backs up your expectations entering the year, you believe them a lot more. If you have stats and they – are contrary to your expectations entering the year, you look at them with more skepticism because we only got four games. As the season progresses, at a certain point, your expectations don't matter anymore. But even after four games, they do matter.
3: Yes, but I'm willing to throw my expectations into the garbage can when I have a situation like the Rams, a five. Where
1: you think your expectations coming in, if you can find the fl- the clear flaw of them, it's just not the numbers, but you're seeing something that that contradicts what your expectation was beyond the numbers. Right. I
3: thought Goff was going to stink. He's quite good. Any closing thoughts in this game, man? I
2: agree with him. And look, one of the biggest mistakes people always make is even if you get a really sound power ratings in, in NFL, you can't just bet power ratings. You have to understand this situation. The Rams own the Seahawks at home. The Seahawks are terrible on the road. Uh, And you have to understand those situations. To Fez's point, Seattle is a huge, the biggest home favorite in football. Yet, contrarily, they're actually one of the poorer road teams in football. And that is a fact.
1: Double like from the boys on the Rams. It's best bet time. I loved Rocky one. What am I? I was watching a little Creed last night that have you seen Creed? Yes. My son loves it. Oh my God. Creed's awesome. I mean, it, I think I know it's people, Rocky three and four, you know, cartoon wise, they were great. I loved them. But to me, Rocky one and Creed are two great movies, man. I mean, like, like, well, Rocky one won the Oscar. Come on. All right. Best bet time. We've got the first best bet from Mr. Matty Holt. I'm going to go with the Houston Texans here. I know the Kansas City is the hottest team
2: in the NFL. They're suddenly everybody's consensus, number one. I'm not going to debate that fact right here, but I situational betting is really important in the NFL. We talked about Jacksonville last week and Baltimore coming off the London game. There's a lot of situations that dictate when or when you shouldn't bet on a team. Here you have a Kansas City Chiefs team coming off a really physical tough Uh, game against the Washington Redskins on Monday night on short rest this week they go on the road to Houston that city has completely been captivated by Deshaun Watson and this Texans and look we've been talking about the Texans team for two years this is one of the five best defenses in the NFL their offensive skill positions are awesome if they could just get some stability at quarterback this team can go a lot of places 90 points scored last two weeks Deshaun Watson at the quarterback position look ahead game for Kansas City as they play Pittsburgh the following week, with the number one in the AFC on the line, don't sell out this week on the fact that Kansas City is going to go to a ruckus Houston with an environment where people need to rally around something post-hurricane. Right now, it's Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Really great situational spot. I'm taking Houston. That's a professional presentation.
3: Faz agreed. This is great. Agree strongly. Watson is the real deal. He is this year's Dak Prescott. He looks left. He turns away to the right. He's willing to tuck and run, still looking downfield. He throws guys open, throwing that back shoulder there and Rodgers throws and also Fuller, their gifted number two wide receiver. He was out for um, uh, until last week. So now he's got another weapon. Throw the first game with the Macho Man Savage and Hurricane Harvey over their heads against Jacksonville in the garbage can. That's why Houston has bad stats for the year. Don't count that game. Other than that, this is a playoff
1: team. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's not only what he's doing on the field, but the enthusiasm of the team and the crowd. And I think Kansas City is the perfect storm of overrated. Think about human biases. One, they love undefeated teams. So we've got the one undefeated, only undefeated team. You're going to hear it all week, all right? Number two, the most iconic win of the season over the Patriots. Week one, it was the featured Thursday game. I know in hindsight, Pats don't look as good but it still was the uh, iconic win. Number three, one on Monday night football. And as Fez knows, cashed a lot of tickets on Monday night football. There's almost like a team of dads. Hey, I just won with them. I'm going to go again. I think you added all up real value on the Texans, Texans plus one and a half. That was one of my picks with Adam Carolla. And, uh, and I agree a hundred percent. Okay. Now second best bet of three to finish up the show and this is my best bet. And we've got, let's see. Okay. I'm going with the chargers. I thought they're plus three and a half with the giants. I think that when you have a team that has a quarterback that may or may not be on their way out, like the giants, you have a coach who may or may not be on his way out. Like the giants, when you go to 0 and four. It's like the season's over. It's a dream crusher, and we'll be talking about that as the season goes on. The emotions around that loss that has real consequence. You can look at Sandy or <laughs> the Chargers and say, um, "Oh, they're on four two, but they have a new coach." And yeah, you know, there's there's questions about for sure. You know, the quarterback and and you know his age and all that. And a lot of people are questioning how good this coach is. But I think in general. You've got a motivational edge uh, or at least a locker room edge with the Chargers. Whatever disruption there is in, in the Chargers locker room, locker room, I think there's more in the Giants. So I start there. Number two, when you have the wise guys create a crazy line, like last week, the Chargers at home with no home field fans, you've got their home field as zero. You had it one last week.
3: The reason I have it zero is psychologically. When you're booed, RJ, I think it hurts you at
1: home. I right, because there is some familiarity sleeping in a familiar, semi-familiar bed, let's say, but because they haven't lived there long. But maybe the same bad moved. Who knows? But we're we're being theoretical here. Is the fact that Chargers were favored by two? It, was that what it was? A kick? Chargers. Yes. By- that is saying they were better than the Eagles,
3: and it shows. Sometimes the wise guys just want to bet a winless team so bad yes. in the NFL. Well, that's not going to work in this game.
1: <laughs> that's it. The market adjusts, it. and we talked about it on the Fox National Show. Is uh, if this if that game had been ten years ago, Philly would have been minus two, and that wise guy bet would have made, made some sense if it covers or not. It would have made the fact that it now. Here is what happens: though. when they lost that game, everyone said, "Forget about them." And to me, right now, this is saying the Giants are a poor home team. I don't know if you want to say 2.75, but it's a little less than three. You agree with that, right? Well, it's two and dropping
3: because now the Giants are the team that's going to get booed at home if they struggle against the winless Chargers. That's an interesting point.
1: So the line three and a half is saying the Giants are a clearly better team, except somehow the Chargers were a better team than the Eagles last week. And the Chargers
3: have hope. New coach. That's what? what I'm saying. At least there's yeah. less despair. The Giants, it's all
2: over, baby. What do you think, Matty? I love you guys, but I disagree. I'm on the other side of this one. So look. At What's be- the logic? So before the season started, I made one bet on South Point on a season win total under. It was the San Diego Chargers. If anybody listened to this show reaches out to me on Twitter, asks me to post it, I will. Uh, <laughs> just to prove the point. And
1: his Twitter account is? At Matthew
2: Holt VP. But. I, so I still have them worse than the Giants. And this is one of those situations where I don't know that the Chargers are a team of hope. They're quarterbacks older than Eli Phillips, not younger than Eli. They're going all the way across the country now after blowing three straight road games and four straight games on the uh, three straight home games, three straight home games and four straight games, basically on the western side of the country. And now you go across the country. I believe the Giants are the better team. They had excuses the first two weeks. You know, their are three top receivers are hurt week one. Odell Beckham didn't get to practice. And now all of a sudden week two. Week three, when they were all healthy, their offense actually showed up. They had a touchdown taken away. They should have beat the Philadelphia Eagles last week. Their defense let them down and they had some misplays, but I feel like the offensive errors are corrected and the defense the defensive personnel is much better for the Giants.
3: I'm sorry, I'm leaning Giants in this one. No, I I love this kind of debate. Faz real quick, where are you at? I'm with you. I think that if this game was in LA, I'd like the Giants plus three. Here, I like the Chargers plus the three and a
1: half. So it's the two time super contest champion, guy just cashed for 55K, professional batter, haven't worked a straight job this century, Mr. RJ Bell against a bookmaker. It's the way it's supposed to be, babe. right. You're yeah. not getting 11 to 10 for me on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, you can, one more best bet left. You can follow me on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. All this stuff. Adam Carolla, the Sportsbook Nation, the Fox Sports National Show, the Colin Cowherd podcast that I do every Saturday, Stephen A. Smith every Friday, Doug Gottlieb. All of that I put out on my Twitter at RJ in Vegas, all 100% free. Fez Best bet, last game. Dallas Cowboys lay in two against the Green Bay
3: Packers. A lot to like, I think, from the Cowboys. The number one handicap here, the playoff revenge. The Cowboys were the better team last year. Somehow they did lose to Green Bay in an overtime game. And that was just a gut punch. They absolutely have this game circled. Of course, I'm worried about the Dallas secondary. Lots of injuries, very short in the secondary. But Green Bay, extremely short on the offensive line. And Dallas has nothing wrong with their pass rush. I really think they're going to get after Rodgers, and that's going to go ahead and mitigate the problems because Green Bay was down to their number six and number seven offensive tackles against the Bears, who are too inept to take
1: advantage. Best Bad Cowboys. So this was your power ratings disagreement, Matt. You disagreed with Fez's Cowboys power rating, so start there. Uh, I thought they were a little bit high still because I think that that secondary is just as bad. So he's got only three teams ranked above Dallas in the entire NFL, Atlanta, Pittsburgh, Kansas City. So they're tied for fourth with Denver, Green Bay, and New England are all tied for fourth. Dallas, Denver, Green Bay, New England. And to me, the line
2: here says Green Bay's a better team. Otherwise, this line would have been a minimum two and a half, if not three. So it's telling you that Green Bay's a better team. On a neutral field, there is no way the Dallas Cowboys are a pick against New England right now. That's going to be New England two and a half, three. I just feel like he overrated Dallas a little bit. Their defensive inefficiency is almost as bad as New England's defensive ine- inefficiency yet new england has a much better offense green bay is a much better team right now there's no way they're all ranked the same yet situationally this is actually a really good spot for the cowboys uh, I, I lean cowboys in this spot i'm probably with fez uh, the fact okay, that- so that
1: that's interesting is the power rating you think he's got dallas overrated but there's enough of a situational edge for dallas you would lean that way That's right. I mean, look, the Brian Beluga and offensive line injuries are going to catch up for us
2: better teams. But the fact that they've had extra rest and Beluga might make it back, if Green Bay got a little healthier and the fact they lost Ty Montgomery last week, I mean, Green Bay injury report is keeping
1: me away. But the fact that Green Bay's had the extra rest here and are clearly the better team gives me a little bit of pause. Green Bay since 2012 on the road, straight up below 500. Think of all those great seasons low 5 that's another example like Seattle they're so good at home they tend to be overrated and struggle against the spread on the road you know to me at 3 I love the packers at 2 I, this packer team I'm just you know I don't think I think that last question for me I guess cuz this would decide where I lean how much do you downgrade Dallas cuz of their secondary injuries just the secondary injuries point and a half and a big part
3: of that, though, they were already I had already downgraded them with all the losses they had in free agency. I think it's
2: on a week to week basis. Two weeks ago it was two points. They were down to like literally guys off the AAA A squad. Maybe this week it's a half a point because most of them come back. They're only
1: two lighter than they were. You know, two weeks ago, they were actually five down. All right, guys, listen, usually we're not going to go this long. We had a lot of things at the beginning of the show. Really, though, great stuff. Obviously, you see our passion for what we're doing here. If you like the college dream preview, check it out. That's up at Podcast One, pregame.com, or my Twitter. Talk to you there.
0: Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJInVegas. Live the dream with us each week. Podcast One Sports presents Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, you can hear Jack Harbaugh. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Jim Harbaugh. What the
1: hell's going on around
0: here? And JT Rogan share their stories from on and off the field. Past guests include John Harbaugh, ESPN's Adam Schefter, and Pardon My Takes, PFT, and Big Cat. So don't miss an episode of Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. Every Tuesday, exclusive Exclusively on PodcastOne.com and the new Podcast One app. Just a sample of what's coming to Podcast One Sports. Hey, my name is James Petra Gallo. I'm Jimmy Whisman. Please join us every single Tuesday for Crime in Sports. So fun. You like sports? You don't have to.
3: Let's just set up a context and find out what an idiot did wrong. I what like do you it. say? I'm in. We're gonna do that each and every week. We take an athlete, we break him down, we make fun of everything he's ever done. Yeah.
0: But in order to do that, we have to build up and tell you all about their career and get you to what, James? To grace. grace. grace.
3: And That's then right. watch them fall from grace, Who as they like inevitably that? do. Join us, big criminals, small yeah. criminals,
1: sports you've never heard of, yeah. doesn't matter. It's the crime, it's the comedy, it's such a good time. Join us every Tuesday for Crime in Sports.
0: You can join us every Tuesday at podcast1.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on all Apple products. Find us every Tuesday and laugh at people.